Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. How's it going, Jordan? Hello. How are you, friends? <laughs> and Dom. How's it going, Dom? Um, aren't you sure you, are you sure you didn't just introduce Stephen Hawking? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's sitting down. We, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to get into it. Episode 25, quarter of a century old. Can't believe we've been recording this long. It's awesome. Uh, we should probably start doing more than one podcast a year, though. <laughs> yeah, I got that right. We won't be alive. It'll be like, uh, <laughs> you know, in those like old '90s sitcoms when they have like the new, the new cast, like the new generation. Yeah. We're we'll gonna have, pass like, on the baton. Yeah, control interest next generation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, getting to what we've been playing this week, it was actually a pretty hefty week. The last couple of weeks have been pretty barren for me. Um, like I said, the last couple of weeks it was like spelunky. And uh, that's pretty much it for the most part. This week was a pretty hefty dive. Um, so Capcom had a sale this week. They had a bunch of games on sale, a bunch of Resident Evil games no one likes, and then they actually had the Mega Man collection. Um, so I picked that up for like nine bucks. Uh, it's Mega Man one through six. Can't beat that for nine bucks is insane. Uh, so I've been playing through Mega Man two. I'm almost done. I think I have like Woodman and Heatman left um, before I get to Wily's Castle. The Mega Man games are just like super awesome. Uh, you guys have both played Mega Man, right? Nope. Here and there. Yeah, they're like I've just been on such a like a two D platform kick. Um then I saw the Mega Man collection was on sale, so I was super stoked. I love the game. Uh Dark Souls three I actually rented it for a day. Uh, I didn't have enough money to rent it for longer than that. Redbox charges like insane numbers, but um I was like, yeah, I'll pick up Dark I feel like I felt like playing Dark Souls. I got past uh you know the, the second boss, the Boreal Valley guy, yeah, I got past that, and then I was into the um, the area where like the, the other dudes like raining arrows into the graveyard, like he launches like the the spears oh, yeah. and stuff from up above. I got to that part. I still love the game. I watched a full playthrough. Um, playing it, it actually it's exactly what I thought the game was. To me, it's the best controlling Dark Souls, but uh, the bosses were really easy. I beat both of them on my second attempt, um, which I have experience with Dark Souls, but. I just remember, for some reason, the other Dark Souls games, the the ramp-up was a lot more difficult, and this one seems a lot easier. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I enjoyed myself. Dark Souls is always a fun time. Uh, WWE 2K16 came out for Games with Gold, and God, Ooh. is that game a pile of garbage. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, so me and my friends downloaded to play with each other because it's a fun time. And the game is fun in the sense of playing a wrestling game. There are huge problems with the game. First of all, the latency is atrocious. Uh, the online latency is terrible. Um, it makes a lot of the actual uh, like button prompts and quick time events virtually unusable. The latency yeah. is horrid. Um, the 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 best part about the game is the soundtrack. They spent all their money on the soundtrack. Also, uh, the game is forty eight gigs, which is insane Jeez. to me. If you play that game, you don't know where all that stuff goes because it's um, all those packs, bro. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, the, the menus are not very well done. It looks very amateurish. Um, the animations are poorly done. It looks like the video game genre hasn't evolved since 2000, which is sad because if I was as big Damn. of a wrestling fan as I was when I was a kid, I'd be upset that this is the product I get. Um, and it actually made me more thankful for another game I got this week, Madden 17. I played it through EA Early Access today. Uh, you get to play it for 10 hours, and the game is great. It's Madden every year. Uh, I do wish it would become a platform like most sports games, um, but I do love Madden. I love football. I'm glad football's back, too. Um, and playing WWE uh, 2K16 made me enjoy Madden 17 more and make, made me more thankful for that. Makes um, sense. Yeah, I still miss NCAA. I think NCAA football's um, my favorite 
uh, sports franchise out there, but they had to cancel it due to like the uh, student athlete uh, problems they're having. Um, but uh, yeah, also Madden 17 is 24 gigs, so it still is. It's weird to me that WWE uh, 2K16 was 16, uh, 48 gigs. Got those pecs covered up with pads. Yeah. Um, so I did quite a bit of gaming, and I also watched Room. Uh, it's a movie I've been wanting to watch for a long time, starring Brie Larson, our future Captain Marvel. And, uh, yeah, the movie's so sad, but it's so good. Um, Have you seen that, Dom? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a yeah. good movie. I like that movie a lot. Um, it's intense, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's it's different than a lot of, like, I love movie experiences that are different than what I've seen. And the sad part is, like, that movie's 100%, like, true life events. Like, that stuff happens, which is scary. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, really good movie. It's pretty much Ed been babbling for for a bit. What have you guys been playing this week and watching and entertaining yourselves with? So for me, I uh, really didn't play any video games at all this week. I probably played like two or three rounds of Battlefront, and that was it. Um, But that was mostly just because I've been reading Heir to the Empire and, um, you know, kind of had that Star Wars itch, I guess you could say. So um, been reading a whole bunch um, besides that book, I've also been, uh, picked up the Chronicles of Narnia just cause I was feeling like it and, uh, read the magician's nephew real quick. Those books are super short. So, um, besides that, I read a bunch of DC rebirth, um, decided to kind of like get caught up with that. And, uh, I was kind of telling myself that I was going to go back and read, uh, finish out the new 52 before, I got into DC Rebirth, but uh, ended up just jumping into Rebirth, and really, it's not hard to follow at all. I thought I was going to kind of be lost and stuff, Um, not really know what was going on, but there's really not much of anything that I've been too confused about, so um, really enjoying it. It's already way better than the New 52 as far as um, the level of quality present throughout each book. there's only a couple that I didn't even think were, like, super awesome, but the rest of them I was, like, really, really satisfied with, and uh, can't wait to see how that goes. So, yeah, mostly just reading a bunch. How do you feel about uh, Invincible, uh, Robert Kirkman saying it's ending next year? Yeah, so I just saw that last night, and uh, I've been reading that a bunch, and really enjoying it, and, I mean, I read his post that he... He wrote about it, and I think that he's ready for it to be done next year, and it's it'll have reached its logical conclusion, so I don't think he's messing anything up or, or screwing it over. Um, so I'm cool with it. It, it kind of sucks that the series pretty much ends as soon as I get into it, but uh, I'll have a year with it, you know, so um, I'm down with that. And then uh, besides reading, um, because of DC Rebirth, I was feeling some comic book superhero cartoons so i've been uh watching a bunch of batman the animated series uh re-watching that and also re-watching some the uh original teen titans on cartoon network oh nice yeah which, none of that teen titans go garbage well I, I still think it's cool a lot of people really hate on that show i think it's kind of funny and i think it's um cool that they did like a goofy spinoff but of course the og series is where it's at and those are two of uh, some of my favorite cartoons of all time. So, especially Batman the Animated Series, I freaking love that show. So, yeah. what what about you, Dumb? What have you been playing, watching, reading? Uh, first and foremost, I finally saw Suicide Squad. Mm. Pretty good movie, actually. Um, yeah. 
a, a few few parts. Uh, you know, some of the writing, I was kind of like, what? But yeah, the characters were mostly like all really really interesting. Jared Leto or Leto is an awesome Joker, and I hope that. I understand that he's a little bit upset with how this all played out, I guess, but I, so yeah. I hope he stays in the universe. Yeah. Um, Harley Quinn was really cool. Um, very over-sexualized, but that was to be expected, I guess. That's just something they were going to do. Um, I otherwise... mean, I just watched the animated series episode where she's introduced into the DC universe. That's uh, where she originally got started. And, I mean, it's an animated series on Cartoon Network or WB back in the day, and I mean, she's kind of over-sexualized in the cartoon. I think that's just her character. Yeah. And a lot of people are pissed off about that for, like, weird reasons. I mean, yeah, I don't care. It's that. It's yeah, just yeah. something I noticed, I guess. Trust so. me, I definitely wasn't too upset with it. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, after that, I've uh, just been playing more AC Syndicate. I think I'm on the very last mission now, and I had to stop yeah. last night. But, I mean, I think, yeah, the... The objective is to kill Crawford Sterrick, so I'm pretty sure that's the end because he's kind of the the big bad. So nearly done with that. Then also played a little bit of Dead Nation, which all of a sudden got hard as shit. Oh, yeah. Like all of us, like, I don't know, level five or whatever. Just like, holy shit. And I I don't know how I feel about that. So Yeah, Uh, that game's brutal. Also did another couple levels of Monument Valley on mobile. So Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, we're going to get right into the news here. Um, oh, actually, before we do, going back to the Invincible thing, for me, it actually makes me more excited to go back and uh, start reading Invincible again. I like things that have, like, a finality to them. Um, yeah. It makes me more intrigued because there is a closed-off story there. So yeah. kind of excited about that. And 144 issues seems like a lot. I mean, obviously, really, you're only doing about 12 issues a year, so um, it's been, like, 13 years, but... If you're just, like, binge-reading comics, or not even binge-reading, but, like, you know, just going through a series, that's... It doesn't take that long, so it'll... You'll be at the end before you know it. Yeah, and then I can't wait in 20 years when they they, when they make Invincible uh, 2 and they recast all women, and then people you will should, be mad. You should read his post, because he talks about why he doesn't want to just, like, give it to some other creative team and let them, like, ruin the comic. It's really funny. Oh, I'll definitely check it out. Um, yeah, so getting to the first story here, this comes by way of Game Rant. Uh, I can't find the author on this article. Um, yeah, I guess it's... Oh, there we go. Dolan Cooper. Uh, over at Game Rant, Electronic Arts teases Mass Effect remaster potential. Electronic Arts hmm. Executive Vice President Patrick Sutherland discusses video game remasters, teasing that remastered versions of the Mass Effect games are in development. One of the most popular series of the last generation was the award-winning Mass Effect trilogy from Bioware and Electronic Arts. Uh, with Mass Effect Andromeda not set to launch until... 2017 at the earliest, fans of the franchise have been clamoring for the original games to be remastered for the current gen hardware to help tie them over. Um, I want to get to the actual interview part here. EA Executive Vice President Patrick Sutherland hinted at much in an interview with Game Informer at Gamescom. Sutherland said that he couldn't make an official announcement just yet, but fans shouldn't be too surprised to see the Mass Effect trilogy remastered at some point in the future. Sutherland said, The honest answer is that we are absolutely actively looking at it. You can expect us most likely to follow our fellow partners in Activision and other companies that have done this successfully. Uh, Like EA, Activision has been reluctant to remaster its classic games in the past, but that appears to be changing. And then he goes on to talk about the Call of Duty remaster and all that stuff. Um, I'm excited. I don't know how excited you guys are, but this is my favorite franchise. And though a lot of people anticipated this, it's good just hearing somebody in the company saying it's happening. So, um... 
yeah, I'm excited. What about you guys? Are you guys excited for this or enough for remasters? Like, how do you guys feel about this? So I'd say I'm excited about it. Um, I don't know if it was the same guy that was talking earlier, but this was probably a year ago that this interview happened um, where they were talking to an EA executive about the possibility of this remaster. And he said that they had looked into it, but they weren't going to do it and like confirmed it right then and there that it wasn't happening. And so now that it's getting brought up, it's got brought back up. It's kind of weird, um, especially for me because I started playing the trilogy on PS3 because of the fact that they said it wasn't going to get remastered. So hopefully I don't get like screwed out of bridging a save file over or anything like that. But um, hell, I, I enjoyed the first game so much and I'm super excited to play the second here in a bit that uh, I might just go back through it on next gen. So awesome. Did you already buy all three games on PS3? Yeah, the trilogy is... Oh, you bought uh, the whole trilogy. Okay, I see. I think... I'm not even sure if they sell them individually on PS3 because... Um, oh, because Mass Effect 1 the, wasn't a PS3 yeah, game. Yeah. That was that was the only way that it came out was through the trilogy and several years, several years later. So... Um, the trilogy was only five bucks on sale when I bought it, so I I, I wouldn't mind oh, buying it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For all that game content, it really wasn't much. Yeah, um, I'll buy it again. Um, I yeah. love the series so much; it gives me an excuse to play through it again. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. Plus, it depends on how um, how hands on they are with the remaster. Like, if they're able to go into Mass Effect One and touch up some of that. I know it won't be obviously crazy different, but if they're able to touch up some things and make them a little less clunky, that'd be cool. Um, but we'll it would see. be cool if it was like a. Uh, Nathan Drake collection type deal. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell you what, Jared. If they do that, then I'll definitely pick it up because I never did play Mass Effect One, just two and three, okay. and I never yeah. really wanted to, just because I was like, wow, it's kind of going backwards in you know game mechanic wise. I don't. But if they, if, yeah, if they uh, tweak a couple gameplay elements or make it a little closer to two or three, then maybe I'll consider this. Yeah, like if they just obviously improve the graphics and make it a little less clunky. Mass Effect One is really solid. Like it has the the oh yeah the deepest RPG elements out of any of them. So, um, next story here: uh, Dark Souls Three major announcement coming August twenty fourth. Um, this comes by way of Gamatsu uh, Sal Romano. Uh, a major Dark Souls Three announcement is coming on August twenty fourth. Publisher Bandai Namco has teased. Uh, Bandai Namco posted the above image on Twitter, and it says Dark Souls Three Ashen Ones. A major uh, announcement is forthcoming. Uh, the announcement is likely surrounded around the game's downloadable content plans. A developer from software previously confirmed the game will have post-release add-ons like its predecessors. Uh, this is cool. For I was talking about Dark Souls earlier about playing it. Um, have you? Did you play the DLC for any of the Dark Souls? Dumb. Uh, for Dark Souls One, yes, and it was an amazing piece of DLC. Yeah. Something artorious. Uh, I don't even remember, but that was awesome. Dark Souls Two, I did not play any of the DLC, which I heard was actually much better than the core game. But I never had a chance to go back and play it. And Dark Souls, I've heard, I've heard the three. series has really good DLC, which is yeah, which is weird how close Dark Souls is to Bioshock in that sense of one's a solid game, three's a solid game, two no, not a lot of people like the base game, but Minerva's Den, a lot of people love that, yeah. and then with Dark Souls two, I guess people love the DLC more than the actual game. That's funny how they draw that parallel. Um, yeah, excited to see what this is. This will be less than a week from the day of recording this. If you're listening to this on Sunday, uh, the announcement will be made on Thursday if you're a Dark Souls fan. So definitely check that out. See what the DLC has to hold because um, with this DLC, you're not going to be getting another Dark Souls game, as from as stated, for a while. So cherish that DLC while you have it. But we might get a Demon Souls remaster, holding out hope. Oh, uh, that'd be cool. Um, the next story here comes by way of GameSpot. 
um, Matt Paget. Uh, no Man's Sky Data Miner finds poop in Xbox One reference. Uh, <laughs> essentially, uh, not to go into the story too long, but um, he basically found out that there is a possibility of this coming to Xbox One um, because the developer... Um, so they basically rented out a physics engine uh, or bought the rights to use it for this game. And in the coding, it shows that they bought the rights for PlayStation 4, PC, and they also bought the rights for Xbox One. Now, people are speculating that this is obviously a chance for it to come to Xbox One. Also, it could have been that they probably they could have gotten a package deal where they got it for cheaper buying all of them. And once Sony came in and wanted to do the marketing and stuff, those plans could have changed, right? Um, but the thing is, is that No Man's Sky's uh, lead, uh, lead uh, Sean Murray, basically they asked him... Uh, face-to-face, will this ever become an Xbox One? And he said, I don't know what I can say right now, um, but we'll see what happens in the future. And he had a Sony rep there that kind of <laughs> scooted the interview along. Um, this could be an inside situation. I don't know if it'll be that soon that it comes to Xbox One, but you know, you kind of don't want to talk about your, obviously, your competitor until it just happens, right? Um, this also could... I, I, I honestly don't realistically think that this is going to come to Xbox One. I think it's more of the situation of they were able to get uh, be, be able to use the the physics engine and they got it for cheap for all three platforms. And then once Sony stepped in, that kind of went to the wayside. You know, um, I just I, I don't know. It would be cool, but yeah. And then all this this new I don't know if you guys saw the story talking about uh, there possibly will be paid DLC in the future for No Man's Sky. So I don't know what's happening there. I think I think it's coming to Xbox One. I thought uh, the fact that it released on PC, like, right after PS4, was a good indicator. And then the fact that Sean Murray didn't just straight up say no. I mean, if it, if it wasn't, then he would just say no. It's not... This isn't like a Bloodborne situation, third-party exclusive, where, um, you know, Sony really paid for it and really made it their own game. I think they just helped it along enough to where... Um, kind of like Dead Rising or something like that. Eventually, it could come out for the opposite platform. I think. Yeah, um, and maybe by then it'll have a lower price, and that'll actually probably help it sell too. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest barrier for entry for that game is a sixty-dollar price point. Um, the next story here: Kotaku, Jason Schreier, obviously. Uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen officially delayed to November 29th. This was actually an update to a story he had where it was a rumor that it was going to get delayed, and then people basically hated on him saying that wasn't the case. They have friends that work at GameStop that know that's not the case. Yeah. Um, but sadly, yeah, Final Fantasy 15 has been delayed till November 29th. Uh, for me, I mean, there's nothing to really go into the story. It just talks about how why it was delayed. The developers say that they wanted to make sure that the game was, you know, the game they wanted to develop. Same spiel you've heard all along. Um, but they also said that they wanted to make sure that the game was playable um, with the day one patch for offline users. And that's a big thing that they're working on. Um, there's actually a full statement that they make in, uh, in a video, uh, if you guys want to check that out on the article. Um, to me, I think it's a really it's a really bad uh, delay, not in terms of like the game itself. I think the game is going to be better for it, obviously. But as far as sales go, it was coming out in a September time where there wasn't a lot around it, where there was a little bit of free time there where people could you know, dive into Final Fantasy. Now it's coming out at the end of November where... That's like the gauntlet, you know? That's definitely a place where you don't want to get pushed into. And a lot of people are... I've seen a lot of comments of people saying, you know, it's Final Fantasy. Its sales won't be hurt otherwise. Final Fantasy isn't like this blockbuster thing that people think it is, you know? Um, yeah, it's on the downswing for sure. Yeah, and it's it's definitely second tier in a lot of people's minds to a lot of other games coming out this fall that they'd rather buy. So, 
Yeah, what do you guys think about this delay um, as far as, like, was it necessary? Is it going to hurt them? I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. As far as I'm concerned, they can shove this game up their ass. I think this is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I, I wasn't really planning on buying it, but I, this whole thing is ridiculous that they did this whole enormous reveal event yeah, just to, to, just to delay the game. And I understand it'll be a better game for it. Blah, blah. I don't care. Oh, you know, a, a delayed game is good forever, but a broken game is bad for like like no like the bad planning is bad planning. You, you don't know how to manage a project, especially when it, it's even more embarrassing. You look like you have an egg on your face when you had this huge reveal event. All all that said, I don't I don't really care because um, I wasn't really into this game anyway. But yeah, yeah I think the the reveal event uh, reveal event make definitely made this sting more i think if they didn't have that i think i don't think it would have been as much of an issue but yeah like, absolutely have this giant event the funny thing is there was a whole joke with greg miller on stage about pushing the button to show the release event and he's like oh will it get delayed and they made a joke and then this happened so that was a meme on the internet for a couple of days. maybe maybe it was greg's fault maybe he did a steve harvey and said the wrong date oh god <laughs> Well, that's the funniest part is that when they did that big event, they obviously look like dumbasses for doing that. But then (laughs) in the event itself, when they're revealing the date, if you go back and watch the video, uh, it's on YouTube. um, They have this like scrolling wheel of dates coming through. And I'm pretty sure it pops up and says November 30th. And then everyone cheered, and then they knocked it back up to September <laughs> yeah. to fool with people. Yeah. And so now it's like that actually happened, and you guys just look like massive idiots. Also, do you think that this this is you know this delay might have been for some reason to coincide with like the Neo or PSVR or something? Eh, I, I think, think the game just was just like, crap and not ready. I think, like Dom said, they just don't know how to manage a product yeah. project. That's why it's, it's been ten years yeah. in the making. Well, you guys saw those demos. I mean, everything looked kind of muddy. The controls looked really unresponsive. It looked like it just was not technically ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I wasn't somebody that was. I went. I've I've gone up and down on this game of like wanting to get it, not wanting to get it, and then this kind of is like, well, it's coming out near like Titanfall two and a bunch of other games, so I'm definitely not getting it unless for some reason yeah. we get a PC code. But I would rather give that to probably one of you guys because you guys would probably enjoy that game more. But. I think, like I you said, it was coming out at a perfect time, and now they kind of screwed it up and threw it in with everything else. And for me, you were you were talking about teetering, Jared. For me, this is the nail in the coffin that says I'm not getting this game day one. I was actually pretty close because of the fact that there wasn't anything else around it. I was probably going to get it in September, but now I'm like, you know what, you guys, you pissed me off one too many times. I was close. You almost hooked me back in with all those, like, anime series and and bonus stuff but and announcing your season pass and all of its content before the game comes out oh god um so the next story here um isn't really an an article it's more of a it was a youtube video that the people over at the know which is the news organization for rooster teeth put together of a bunch of information and factors regarding fallout new orleans so over on the european union intellectual property office uh, and this was posted on NeoGAF because people just sit there and look at trademarks all day, I guess. The people oh. that find this are insane to me, but I love them. Um, Fallout New Orleans was trademarked. Um, and this is exciting. Uh, a lot of the information they showed in the video were that uh, New Vegas was actually developed and made within 18 months after Fallout 3. Um, I believe if this were to come out next fall, it would be 16 months. Um, or next March or something. I forgot the exact, the exact dates, but essentially we're kind of in that same timeline. Um, and there was something, I believe you were saying something, Dom, about uh, something with isometric 
So I was listening to an interview of one of the one of the, like the high up directors from Obsidian, uh, Jay or Josh, Shelley Seely. I I feel bad. I can't remember. Um, and he had worked on the original uh, Fallout games, like one and two, and now yeah, he's uh, uh, one of those directors at Obsidian. And he particularly said, yeah, we would love the opportunity to work on another Fallout game, in particular an isometric one. So. I don't know what that means. Yeah, um, maybe it literally means that Bethesda hasn't offered yet, but maybe it also means that it's almost done and he just can't talk about it yet. Yeah. Also, the really cool thing with Fallout is how they take the culture of a certain area and then they tear that down, but it still keeps its roots in the post-apocalyptic setting. Like Fallout New yeah. Vegas, hundred percent felt like felt like Las Vegas, Nevada. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, Fallout Four definitely gave you that Northeast vibe. Like they're very good at that, and I would love to see what you know the southeast has to deliver in like a fall in new orleans i think it'd be awesome yeah uh, with a bayou and everything i think it'd be so cool um so hopefully that's happening um here is a story that pertains to uh jordan uh out of all of us the most uh, by the way pc gamer uh joe donnelly writes metal gear survive is a co-op stealth game set in an alternate timeline to ground zeros metal gear konami unveils first metal gear game following hideo kojima's departure Launching the first Metal Gear game following uh, revered mastermind Hideo Kojima's departure was always going to be tricky for Konami. So deep was uh, uh, was the enduring influence on the series he created. Judging by its revealed trailer, Metal Gear Survive is a distinct change of pace from what we've become accustomed to. It's an online co-op stealth them up that takes a divergent look at familiar Metal Gear themes, says Konami. Uh, it's weird. I don't know what else to say. What do you guys weird think? Weird is a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 It almost feels like a move that Kojima would make. Like how I don't uh, I don't I don't know what to say here. I wish as a single player campaign, it's a weird alternate universe spin-off type deal. Um it is uh interesting, I guess, but it also kind of uh, I'm worried because it kind of reminds me of like uh this Resident Evil Umbrella Corps, yeah. stuff like that, and I just really don't want it to be that. Um, it's got zombies and, um, you know, wormholes and all kinds of crap. Not that the Metal Gear Solid Five didn't originally have that, but um, it's interesting. It'll I'll, I'll just have to wait until it comes out and check the reviews. It's weird that this is the first game that Konami's doing in the Metal Gear franchise after Kojima left. Um... I don't know. I'm, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm excited about it, um, but I definitely don't think it's as bad as it could be. You know, I had some some crazy fears of what they would do once he left, so I don't think it's as bad as it could be. Um, maybe the fact that it is co-op and really doesn't have single-player campaign could just uh, lend itself to the fact that I was talking about the possible MGS three remake that they could be doing, and um, maybe that's a more single player focus game that they have coming out in the franchise so hopefully you know that's what's going on behind the scenes but who knows we also don't know the scale of this game this could be a dead rising case zero where it's like a very small chunk of a bigger idea um yeah also they say that this isn't going to be a full retail price uh so it's interesting doesn't seem like the game that metal gear fans wanted Though Metal Gear is so weird throughout the years that I, you know, it's kind of hard to peg what you guys would want. But I, I'm pretty sure it's not a co-op stealth game with zombies. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the last story here is probably the saddest story. 
Uh, we've talked about Below multiple times on this podcast, wanting to come out. And Capybara Games made an announcement officially on their website. Uh, I'll read it to you guys here. A short announcement about Below. We told you Below would be out this summer. Our team worked hard to make that deadline a reality, but after a strong push, we've decided it isn't ready. We did a lot of soul-searching. We knew we wanted to get into your hands as soon as possible. We know the game was there, and we were super proud of it. We also knew it needed more time to make sure it lives up to our studio standards and the quality you expect from our games. From the very beginning, Below has been our most ambitious undertaking, and we're just not quite done excavating its depths or polishing all of its facets. Instead of giving you a new loose release window, we'll be going dark while we take the time that we need to complete Below without compromise. The next time you see a major Below update, that means our game has a firm release date which we'll share. Making games is hard but rewarding work. Accepting even after this long development that the game needs more time is difficult, but it's important that we are honest with ourselves as creators and with you, the players. We're sorry we let you down with yet another delay, but in the end we need to make certain that the hard work we've put into this game turns into something you'll love. And uh, to us that unfortunately means keeping below in the oven a little longer until it truly is ready. Thanks for the continued support and we'll see you on the other side. Remember, the next time you see a below update, that means we'll have a firm release date. That's it. Hmm. So, I appreciate his honesty. The most... 90% of this is no different than what we see from other video game delays. But I do appreciate them not wanting to do a a loose release window. Um, I like them just saying they're going to go dark. I like them saying that the next time you'll see an update, that's when we'll have a firm release date. Um, I like a lot of what what he said. You know, like I said, 80, 89% of it is what we've heard before, but I do appreciate him saying they're going to go dark. They're not even worrying about giving another release window. So what, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I'm much less critical of this compared to Final Fantasy because this is how you delay a game if you have to because they never gave an exact date, did they? No, just a release window. Mm-hmm. They said summer. Right. Yeah. And they probably said it in the, you know, in the terms of like, yeah, we're, we're aiming for this season of this year. Yeah. And that's it. Like, to me, that's not a guarantee you didn't have a reveal event <laughs> or a specific that you had Greg Miller period. host. Yeah. Right. Below uncovered. Yeah. And more importantly, you know, they then learned their lesson and said, yeah, well, we're not even going to give you a window because we're just going to work on it until it's done. Like, yeah. I, when was the last time you heard that word? I don't know when it's going to get released. We're just working on it until it is done. Yeah, you won't hear from us that's, until it's that's done. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's awesome. Uh, it takes a lot of guts, too. Um, so... I think yeah. this, yeah. I think it's all for the better. What do you think about the messaging, Jordan? Do you do you appreciate his wording? Yeah, I think this is how delays should be handled, and obviously they did a lot better job than Final Fantasy. And um, you know, definitely sad to see this delay. But um, honestly, I'm at the point now when it comes to delays, unless it's something that I'm just super excited about. Um, you know, like if Witcher kept getting delayed. Um, Batman Arkham Knight when it was getting delayed stuff like that um, really sucks Um, Horizon I'm super excited for that Um, but unless it's a game that I'm super excited for I really don't sweat it even if it's a game that I'm excited for like uh, below I'm kind of just like you know there's there's plenty of games out there I've got plenty of stuff to play and um, it'll get here when it gets here and hopefully it will be better for it you know yeah um I think the only game I'm truly upset got delayed is Mass Effect Andromeda, because you guys know how big of a fan I am of that series. Oh, yeah. Definitely upset with that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do appreciate the messaging, the brutal honesty, all of that stuff. Um, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's sad that these indie studios are doing this kind of messaging better than the big boys. So, big boys? Yeah, so earlier we were talking about uh, you know 
Final Fantasy 15 having a day one patch they want to make available for offline. Uh, Dom, you actually want to talk about day one patches in general? Yeah, so there is, in addition to Final Fantasy 15, there's a big kerfuffle about uh, No Man's Sky's day one patch. Had a couple conversations with some different people. I mean, which, which version of the game should you review and things like that. And a lot of people are of the mind, you know, well, everyone has internet. Like, we don't, I don't really care or mind that a game is shipping a little bit broken because it's going to get fixed the day after. But we often overlook the mysterious percentage of gamers who don't have internet and can't get these patches. So is it okay to ship a game that isn't, frankly, playable or completed, you know, to a bunch of people, even if only 5% of all of us all gamers don't have internet that's still probably a couple million people right so i'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are on because it's becoming prominent every game seems to have a huge day one patch i can't remember a game that i've bought on release date that didn't i mean i'd have to go back a year or two probably at least so i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of split on it i don't i'm on the middle of the fence i'm gonna take like that pussy route but i i just they're really like if it's only five percent of gamers that don't have their boxes connected to the internet, then that's it's hard to justify, you know, moving your release date to cater to five percent of your audience. And let's also remember that uh, these publishers and studios do know those percentages, right? Because they obviously can see who connects to their also, services. On top of that, the people who have online are the ones who are more than likely going to buy your DLC if your game has that. The people that are offline can't really. Yeah. They don't have right. online period, so like that's more revenue. So it's like, are you gonna take time to make sure the five percent that don't have internet, or are you gonna worry about the other ninety five that also will possibly buy your DLC, giving you more revenue? So and I keep on saying five percent. I'm yeah, I it's no just a, it's a it's a number but we they do. Throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of middle of the road. I I don't know if we're quite there yet, but certainly in a couple of years from now, it's gonna it's just gonna be it's just gonna happen. And yeah. Yeah. Because more and more people are getting internet every day, right? So it's an interesting thing. A lot of people get upset when it's, you know, six gigabyte day one patch comes out. You're like, well, what the heck were you doing in the last two years making the game? And I don't want to say, like, that devs are lazy, of course, but I don't know. I, I, I'm still middle of the road. So what do you guys think? So I have a couple of things to say about this. So the first part of it, the first chunk is there's I think there's two different types of day one patches. There's the day one patches that essentially make the experience of the game that went gold better, right? So the, when that day one patch comes out, it's basically fine-tuning everything. There's also the day one patches that fix a broken game that they sent out when it was gold. Those are two different things. I don't mind day one patches if they're, if they're improving a game that's already complete and would work on its own. But I also understand the concern, uh, and this is the second part of it, of like... It's either you delay your game, get people mad, or you do a day one patch, right? And maybe it's not always that that case. But if you think about it, you can maybe delay your game, work on the game, and then have it come out, and you don't really have a substantial day one patch. Or you cannot not touch the day one the 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 day one stuff, and or not delay it, and then you can work on a day one patch that basically does the same thing that you would have done in that same time frame. Um, to me, it's all about messaging, and it's all about how broken the game is at release without the day one patch. Um, you know, going to an all-digital future, this is a reality you're going to have to live with. And, you know, this goes back to the argument of, like, digital versus physical and, like, internet infrastructure. And there's a lot more deeper conversations to have here than just day one patches. But as far as just day one patches by themselves, I think all games are better for it. And if you 
can't deal with being online and downloading a day one patch for a game, then maybe you should just go buy a Nintendo console and play those games without any third party support where they don't have day one patches. <laughs> oh shit! So I mean, damn, damn, um, so, burn. So you're you're right yeah. to bring out that there's different scenarios here. There's different kinds of day one patches. For example, when Bloodborne came out, the loading times were egregious, egregious, whatever the hell that word is. Right? Every time you died, you'd have to sit at a loading screen for two minutes. Like a few weeks later, they patched it, and now it took like 30 seconds. That you know, that's not changing. Mu- it's making the game better, certainly, but it's not. The game wasn't broken before, and by any means. And then there's games like, and I played it on PC, so I didn't experience this, but. I anecdotally heard that when The Witcher 3 came out on consoles, initially the controls were a little janky and there were some frame rate issues kind of consistently that they proceeded to patch and fix up, you know, within a few weeks. So that to me is a little bit different because when your controls are a little off or your frame rate is dipping below 30 on numerous occasions, then that's like maybe you needed another minute and you proved that you just needed another minute because you could fix it because you did. Yeah, but it, yeah, just two two kind two types of those examples that come to mind. Yeah, I think um, just Witcher three specifically. Um, I don't remember any issues I have with the controls, but um, they definitely did have to work on the frame rate. Um, okay, but you know, at the same time, there's something to be said for the size of that game and like the fact that like Fallout four, even the the latest DLC has like frame rate issues and. You know, with Witcher 3's DLC, they totally revamped it and made it better. I think, um, I kind of, not a total free pass for CD Projekt Red there, but I think, like, it dipping below 30 frames is okay. As far as other games, uh, Bloodborne, I don't think I I even would have been able to play if I hadn't waited almost a year after it came out to start, just because, yeah, I, I couldn't, with all the times I die in that game, I couldn't handle those loading screens, um... And then, as far as games getting, like, delay versus a day one patch, you know, even the games that get delayed, um, you know, you're talking about this day one patch for No Man's Sky, it got delayed from earlier in June. So, even games that get delayed still have a day one patch, and even if you weren't going to have a day one patch after a delay, you're going to have a patch somewhere down the road. So, I think that that's just the world we live in. If you're playing games completely offline somewhere in the, you know, maybe middle of nowhere or whatever at this point, um, I think you get that. I think you understand, like, yeah, I just have a shitty internet connection or I don't have internet at all. It sucks, but this is how my games are. They may be broken or whatever, but, you know, you're also missing out on a lot of other shit in the world that, uh, in society that is part of 2016 being on the internet and all that stuff. So that's, you're, you're kind of like, you know, it's not really apples to oranges, but it's definitely like a, a a weird comparison there because you're missing out on a bunch of other stuff, even more important shit than you know video game patches. So, the other part of the discussion was whether or not reviews should you know should wait a week or two weeks you know to include these patches and should they review the game without the patch or that sort of thing. And I think that that answer is a little easier is that you review what what the vast majority of gamers are going to experience when they play the game, right? Exactly. Which so is there's with a, the patches. Yeah, so there's a substantial day one patch you review after that patch. Exactly. There's no, your your review won't be relevant, especially in the case of like No Man's Sky where the game's so drastically different, your review's irrelevant to people uh, because right. the copy you're playing is completely different than the copy they're playing, you know? Um, yeah. And I also think it's up to the developer too. Like if the developer states like, hey, 
our game is our, you know the the day one change the day one patches change some of this stuff um, but you're still good to go. It's not much different than the game that you're going to be getting for review. I think it's all about the open communication with the reviewers. Um, I do, though, appreciate the review and progresses more than just uh, outright I review. Do, yeah, I love those. Just because you kind of see the the path that they took of, like, here's what the game was like before, here's what the game was like after, here's what the game was like next. Um, and, yeah, I think... I mean, to, to do a credit to the developers who spend time on these things, too, I think... As a reviewer, you owe it to the people who take your word as gold to, like you said, review the game that they're going to be playing. You know, don't review the game you're going to be playing that you get two weeks early. So, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Don't cater to the lowest common denominator. That's a really sure. mean way to. That's a really mean way to say you don't have internet. <laughs> well, it's the truth. We live in a. We. I mean, and obviously we live in places where we're fortunate enough to have internet, and it sucks that some places don't, but. I mean, if you care that much about gaming, where it's it, it, it it's such a huge detriment to your life, you might want to think about moving somewhere where they have decent internet. It sucks, sucks that you have to put it that way, but I mean, the the other part is if you're watching a review on IGN, for example, you're watching it on the internet. Yeah. Unless there's another way to watch it, I don't know about. So <laughs> exactly. that's another part of that equation. It's it's so weird to th- it's so weird to think about people that don't have internet right now to me that just seems that's like so foreign and crazy it's not like well you know get a blu-ray player you're behind so you could just go to the store and grab one yeah you're literally asking someone to move to a different area because they can't help the internet that's available in it's like area. it's like saying you know man it sucks that uh green room is only available on blu-ray uh and 4k blu-ray it's not available on vhs because all i have is a vhs player you right know? It's like, well, you got to get with the times, and if you're, you know, if they don't sell DVDs in your area, move somewhere where they sell them. Like, you know, yeah. it sucks to put it that way, but we're in, we're in such a time that like they're a business. You know, these are businesses; they cater to the majority, not the minority. Right. Sucks to hear that, but that's the case. You know, so just how it is, I guess. That's I don't have nothing else to say about day one patches. I think it's a very complicated issue, and I think it's up to the developer to have an open dialogue with reviewers and with gamers, and. You know, be be upfront with it, and, and you know, take take a hold of having that day one patch, and be proud of it in some instances. Be like, you know what, we weren't satisfied with the game we were shipping. We could easily shipped it as it was, but we worked our asses off after we got this game gold to have a day one patch to make this experience the best possible experience we could for you guys. So, plus, most games that even discs that I put into my console for the first time. They gotta like you know download a little bit first before I can play it anyway. Exactly. So they have an update as six, well. Right, yeah, and a- you can start you, at least on PS4. You can start playing while the download is in progress, but you got to let it at least get so far. I think that's how it works. Yeah, and also only part of the game is usually available, depending on how much is downloaded. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So, yeah, I have nothing else to say. What about you, Jordan? Any closing thoughts on day one patches? No, I think we covered. It. I think the just the biggest thing is is how do you review it? You know, how exactly. do you um, talk about it in a review? Do you include the day one patch or not? But um, yeah, I think we hit that. Domini, check, check the patch notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a new new uh, short form news show. I'm going to be starting up in the next couple of weeks. Might be this week. Not sure, but definitely go to our YouTube channel. And check that out. Um, next up, let's talk about the summer drought that we're upon. Jordan, need water. So parched. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so the summer drought, um, it's its real, guys. The struggle is real. Um, you know, I was going to talk about how um, 
in, in the video game industry, all these games come out in the fall. That's the big release window for the biggest AAA games. Um, and then, of course, as we just talked about, a bunch of them get delayed out of the fall and become spring AAA games. Um, but we still don't have a lot of games coming out in the summer. Um, this year, in June, we were supposed to have No Man's Sky. Now that just came out. Um, Mirror's Edge came out in June. Um, here in just a few days, Deus Ex is going to be coming out. Um, so there's there's games here and there, but it's definitely sparse. And there's almost never a big release in July, um, which sucks. You know, it's just a big, wide-open hole if you don't have um, brand-new stuff to play. So... Um, I really think in the coming years we're going to see that change because people are playing video games year-round. It's not just kids who play during the school year and then, you know, don't play games during the summer when they're on break, which I don't even know what the hell that means because I played probably more video games during summer break when I was a kid in school. Exactly, then um, in the fall. Yeah. Exactly, So because I, I, I wasn't during school, so I just had more time to play. And I probably would have bought more video games if publishers would have smartened up, but... Um, hopefully I think that that's going to change in the next couple of years because I think they're going to see that, um, especially for these lower tier AAA games, maybe like Deus Ex that aren't getting the fanfare that, uh, some of the bigger ones are going to get, um, put that in the middle of the summer and, and people will be interested. People will want to talk about it and play it. And, um, especially when there's so few games coming out, we just talked about how it's dumb for Final Fantasy to to delay from the end of the summer in September into the deep fall where all these huge titles are going to be mixed in with it and it's going to lose a lot of hype. Um, so yeah, I think you get more hype um, as a AAA game if you release in the summer and I, I really hope that, that changes. What do you guys think? So, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, so you, you kind of hit on it a little bit, but yeah, the big thing to remember here is that we're kind of the first gen- us and people that are 5 to 10 years older than us are the first generation of gamers that are now becoming adults, right? So that's going to influence, I'm not exactly sure how, but that's going to influence, yeah, when we have the most spare time and when we buy most of our games. Whereas it used to be primarily kids you were selling to who are going to get their Christmas presents in the fall. Sure. Maybe that's changing a lot. I would love to see all the marketing numbers around this because you know, I'm just speaking <laughs> anecdotally. Um, but that's just one thing to consider. But you're right, there is, there is a a drought every summer i mean i think it was what last summer we got arkham knight was it or was that that might have been the previous I think it was summer. june 23rd but it was of course delayed from the fall right. and then the spring but uh, frankly i'm totally fine with it i guess because i always have such a backlog that it's a great time to catch up sure on that but maybe i wouldn't have a backlog at all if games were just released more sporadically throughout the year instead of all at once in one goddamn month right yeah yeah so yeah, I totally agree with that part too. Um, so I I agree with you, Jordan. That like as a kid, uh, I I wanted to, games to release in like you know towards the end of May when school was getting out, and then I'd have the summer to play. Nope, all these games would release in the fall, and I was I was a uh, you know obviously a full time student, and also I played football, so I had zero time to play video games in the fall. Play Abs- football? Yeah, I was an oh, all state center. Yeah. Shit, Whoa. man. Yeah. Uh, I played for the all-star team here when I graduated. Um, How has this never come up? I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I played football. There's that. Yeah, so I really had no time to play video games in the fall at all. 
you know. And then obviously as the year goes on, there's midterms and finals, so that got worse and worse. And then the summer would kind of like, oh, I'll play all those games I got in the fall that I didn't have a chance to play, you know. So it's kind of like that was my backlog time. Um, please, CD Project Red, if you're listening to this, make Cyberpunk 2077 a summer game. That'll give you the most room to breathe. People will love that then. Um, for the longest time with Xbox 360, summer was when people played arcade games. There's still a weird stigma with arcade games or indie games now where I have a lot of friends who don't play indie games. Uh, Dom has just basically gotten into indie games. There's, And I don't think it's because you didn't think they were real games. It's just you never got around to them. But I have, there seems like a stigma, with, especially with a lot of my personal friends, that like indie games aren't real games, which is weird to me because indie games are some of the best experiences I have in video games. Um so, yeah, the summer was a good time for that, but it hasn't really come around. You know, with Below getting delayed and Cuphead getting into a deeper development, um, it was weird that they didn't have a summer arcade kind of thing this year. I think they were planning on that, especially with, like, Inside releasing and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think people, what do they say, explore the calendar. I think that needs to happen more. There I think, you go. I think we're having way too much of this. We need a release in holiday because that's when people buy video games. And, yes, that is kind of the case with young kids whose parents buy them presents. But as you said, we're growing into adults and we have different free time. We, I mean, technically we can make our own free time with the vacation days, but like, I think people need to explore the calendar more. You know, instead of trying to hit that fall release window, this goes to a publishers really, not so much developers a lot of the time. Instead of trying to, you know, jam in your game in that fall and then having a delay, how about just let them make the game and then, hey, it'll be done by March. Let's just release it in the summer when no one's around, you know? Instead of yeah. trying to hit fall, then getting delayed. And then maybe possibly going back to the last topic, having a huge day one patch. You know, let him let yeah. him a couple more months, let him release in the summer. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with you. It's you know, it's a weird thing of like, yes, this is a backlog time, but then you made your own counterpoint, Dom, of like, there wouldn't be such a backlog if people didn't just muddy the waters in like these very specific right. like three week periods. Yeah. Um, and I, I would like to meet the people at these publishing teams who pick the dates. Because if I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, we need to delay Final Fantasy. Let's pick the end of November. Look at all these other games releasing. It's just weird to me that they don't... I I, honest, I know that there's Final Fantasy is so different than a lot of those games that are releasing. But even then, you have, I think it's... Companies don't realize how diverse vi- video gamers are becoming. There, it's not so much there's people that are straight shooter players. There's, like, us three, we play a huge array of games, you know? Yeah. I'm just as much interested in a Final Fantasy-type game as I am in a, a Battlefield-type game. And I think a lot of companies kind of lose track of that, of, like, yeah, they totally. are going to make a decision on this or that. And people don't, I don't know, it's weird. But, I totally uh, agree. There's, to some extent, video game publishers these days are out of touch with the gamer. Um, you know, you look at, like, EA Play at E3, and that was just a joke. Like, what type of gamer would have been like, yeah, man, that was a cool press conference. That's exactly what I wanted, you know? Yeah, like, I it love football. I didn't. I wouldn't want to see Peyton Manning go out there and talk for 15 minutes about Madden. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. Like, I want to see Madden gameplay. Cool. Show me the gameplay. Cool. Get over that. Like, when they you bring don't out the... me yet, but you will. <laughs> when they bring out the soccer player, or football, exactly. if you're foreign, and he talks for 15 minutes, like, oh, Pele, the greatest soccer player of all time... Still don't care what he has to say. I, <laughs> I still don't care, you know. So, so Jordan, that was a really good point um, because I think there's a lot of passionate gamers making games, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe not so many passionate gamers making the business decisions for these games, right? Sure, I, sure. I, again, I don't know. I could be way off. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the people on the business side of uh, publishers don't really have any interest in most games, right? I mean, they might not mind them, but – just like I don't give any, I don't give two shits about what the company I work for makes. I don't care. Like, yeah. Right. So maybe there needs to be more 
passionate people passionate about well, games on the business side of, of these companies too. Here's the thing that I think a lot of people need to know is like if you're passionate about video games, so people have this weird thing like, okay, if I love video games, there's only two things I can do. I can either be a video game journalist or I can make video games. Right. There's a lot of other, other options. Hey, if you're good with people and you like engaging with people, but you also love video games, maybe try going to school and maybe just learning and training classes and stuff. Maybe be a PR person for a video game company. Like, there's many different avenues. Business side. If you love if you love business, but you also love video games, try to be a video game part of the video game publisher's marketing team. Like, there's many different avenues if you love video games to get involved with it. You just need to figure out what works for you. You know, maybe you're not good at math, so developing probably isn't for you. But you're good with people, so PR might be the perfect job for you in the video game industry. I think people need to explore this more because, you know, these companies are going to hire people who are qualified for the position. So when a, a publisher is looking for people in their marketing team, they're going to look for people who have marketing skills. A lot of those people who apply are marketing students, maybe not that love video games. And it's because a lot of these people who love video games don't think that's a, an, an option for them. They're like, oh, those are for business people, not business people who also love video games. So I think people need to explore that more and understand that there's more to the video game industry and how you can get in than just being a journalist or being a developer. Like, there's a lot of avenues there. So Those are probably actually the two hardest avenues to get into, I would yeah, imagine. Yes, I, I agree, yeah. There's a lot of competition there, you know. So I think yeah. your chance of getting in other places, and there's so many different variations. Like, even video game developers don't just need developers. They need PR people. They need coordinators. They need a lot of stuff. So, yeah. That's that's my little spiel on that. But as far as as far as like the summer drought, uh, I hope we get back into the position where this is like huge indie scene. There were some sparse indie titles here and there with Abzu and Overcooked and stuff, and some triple A's too. Um, explore the calendar is my final thought. Um, yeah, we're gonna be closing out the show real quick. Uh, where we're gonna be playing next week? Uh, Madden seventeen for me. Love football. You found it on this episode I actually played football. Uh, so. Yeah, I can't wait to hop into that. I love Madden every year. It's uh, it's like my guilty pleasure game. It's it's not the best game ever, but it's definitely not WWE 2K16. I'm probably going to be playing uh, more Splunky 2. Love that game so much. Um, yeah, what about you guys? Um, Earlier, I didn't mention that I saw the movie Sausage Party this week. Oh. Um, it was pretty funny. Um, I mean, it didn't blow my socks off. There's better Seth Rogen comedies out there and stuff, but Pineapple definitely Express. solid. Yeah, exactly. Definitely solid. Definitely funny. Um, kind of a lot of racist stereotypes that I wasn't expecting, like a massive amount. But uh, I won't. I won't go too far into that. You got to see it for yourself. Um, but then this week, uh, gonna be reading a bunch more. Got to uh, read some of the D- DC Rebirth that just came out yesterday. Um, keep reading that Chronicles of Narnia and Star Wars and uh, keep watching uh, Batman and Teen Titans um, and who knows maybe I'll play a video game or two we'll see I guess nice Dom you finishing AC Syndicate yeah I finally need to put the nail in the coffin that is that game it's been too long but it's, I, I like the game a lot it's been, it's been fun definitely not getting that platinum yeah decided <laughs> okay. that's that's just not happening that's fine too much else to do yeah um I also, I, just yesterday, I grabbed uh, GTA V and Game of Thrones. Um, PSN was doing another sale for Rockstar and Telltale games. And it was very heavily discounted, so probably dabble in some GTA and dive headfirst into Game of Thrones. It's definitely going to uh, skip ahead in line over Wolf Among Us. So, so speaking of Game of Thrones, uh, we talked last week about a possible Telltale Mr. Robot game. 
just wanted to update and say, um, first of all, screw Telltale, because all it was was they are publishing a game by the Oxenfree developers, um, and it's just some Mr. Robot mobile game, like on iOS, so... um, (laughs) The way that they tweeted it out totally made it seem like they were about to do a Mr. Robot series, and it was dumb for them to be so cryptic that way without clarifying. So that totally sucks, but yeah, Game of Thrones is a great Telltale series. You'll enjoy that. You got let on. (laughs) Um, Yep. Yep. Yeah, so thank you guys for joining us for episode 25, quarter of a century. Um, Awesome that we got two new YouTube subscribers. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for subscribing. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, keep it coming. Uh, Push getting, us towards 50. Yeah, exactly. We're getting uh, decent likes on our videos, too, and a couple of people have commented, so that's awesome. Keep that up. Uh, if you can, rate us on iTunes. You don't need to leave a written review. Just give us a star rating. That helps just as much. Um, if you want, you can write in the comments uh, what your thoughts on the day one, uh, day one patches are, I guess. Whatever you want to uh-huh. write, really. Um, yeah, thank you for the people that have subscribed. Like we said, anytime you guys share us, tweet us, anything like that, uh, it really helps us grow. Uh, we have a couple of shows in the works that are being, going to be coming out uh, relatively soon, so check out, uh, look out for that. Uh, we might be having some guests in the coming weeks too, um, which is going to be awesome. And yeah, any, any closing thoughts, guys, before we head out? Get us on Twitter also, at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. Yeah, we tweet out all the news too, so if you can't wait till the podcast to see some stuff. And we sometimes tweet stuff that isn't in the podcast either, so definitely check out the Twitter if you want to keep updated on video game news and stuff. Um, Yeah, any closing thoughts, Jordan? Yeah, help us get to 50 YouTube subscribers, man. We're chugging along, going to get there, and uh, peace to the homies. Peace to the homies. Catch you guys in episode 26. Bye.